be fine. Blowing up like dynamite, I never meant to make you cry. Hello and welcome to your weekly edition of This Is Ibrox, it's your Rangers podcast. My name's Scott Patterson, you're very welcome. Joining me this week on a week where we don't review anything as such, I'm, I'm really pleased to, to welcome Tommy McIntyre to the pod. Hi Tommy, how are you? I am very, very well, thank you. Just getting a warning out nice and early that we need to be really careful not to say anything inappropriate or laugh at anybody. We don't yep. want to hurt um, elite athletes' feelings because there's some really sensitive players out there. Absolutely. That's a great shout. A great shout. So let's be careful what we do tonight. No offensive yeah. nature. Uh, Robbie, you're, you're back again, my friend. How are you doing? Very welcome. Probably, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yes, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, sure. So we should say before we start, this Ibrox is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Call them as early as you can on 01453887179 or you can email them at h hello at hhhmortgages.com. You can get them by the website, of course, which is all the W's. hhhmortgages.com. They're also available <laughs> I think I got them there, Facebook yeah, address as well. I think I got them there. If you are looking to speak to them, I suggest you mention my name or Robbie's or Willie's. Do not mention Tommy's. Because they scored right <laughs> off the list, I would say, from tonight. Uh, and the lovely people in there and Craig will, will look after you very well indeed. So, gentlemen, um, as I said at the start, no football for the Rangers over the weekend. So we, we don't really have a, a great deal to, to speak about from a, a preview or a, even a review perspective. So we are going to use this session um, for each of us to discover three things. We're going to each share our moments of the season where we felt that 55 was really coming. Uh, I'm keen to know also what your goal of the season is up until now. Um, something remarkable may happen against Livingston or, or Aberdeen, of course, um, during the week. Uh, and lastly, and I think more importantly, we've done this partly over the last couple of weeks. I'm really keen to, to know your, your players of the season. So, Thomas, you can go first because I know you've prepped up well. Um, your moment of the season when you thought 55 was a thing. Okay, okay. And listeners, watchers, uh, don't adjust your sets. That was extreme sarcasm from, from Scott. Because <laughs> um, I'm on a dare not to, have, not to have done any research for this particular one. Uh, I think, and there's so many great moments, and I'm sure we'll talk about them all in due course, but you've asked me specifically when, when 55 appeared on the horizon, tangibly reach out and touch it and all that kind of stuff. Um, Touch but don't taste. Taste but if anybody's ever seen um, uh, Devil's Advocate by Al Pacino. Um, pad, 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 Okay, okay. I think it was the, I'm trying to remember the date of the game actually. Um, I think it was November time, beginning yeah. of November, second, second uh, or the first of November, something like that. We were away to Kamarnock down at Rugby Park. Um, I think Tav scored a penalty, 20th, 20th minute, 22nd, 19th minute, somewhere in that spread, right? And we, so it would have been the Sunday, the 1st of November, actually. And we played pretty ropey uh, on a pitch and at a venue that had been historically for us pretty difficult, and particularly in the, the Gerrard era, yeah. you know? Um, we'd cycled off the back of that, the Joe Worrell evening and stuff like that um, when uh, John Jones had scored. So anyway, we played particularly... Poorly, and in the final 20, 20, final 15 minutes, it all became a little bit back to the wall. And if I remember correctly, it was a bit of a rainstorm yeah. towards the end of that. I remember Eamon Brophy having a free kick about 19, 20 yards out, right near the death. And they got nothing. And we got the three points. 
And I thought, oh, that's a different mentality. Not only have you come away with the tangibles, the three points, gimme, 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 I'm away up the road, but um, maybe not sounding like a gremlin, it has to be said, um, but hey, I've got the look, I might as well go for the voice. <laughs> but that, that was the... Um, I, that was the moment where I thought there might just be a wee bit more grit in here as opposed to just the the, the peril of good football. There might yeah. be a wee grit inside this oyster as well. And you get the two of those things together, you end up with getting a wee bit of a, a diver's choice when it comes to the silverware. And I think you remember, um, certainly that night, I remember Brophy getting the free kick and you think, he's going to score here. He mm. is going to score here. There's no danger. This isn't going into the net. Um, that's a big, big shout, by the way. Yeah. Was not expecting that. Yeah, that's, that's early in the season as well, isn't it? I mean, it yeah. was early in the season for us to think at that point in November that, wow. We, we, I, we, I, I'm we not sure. This year. I tell you what, though, that is the, the thing that I remember most for that game, him getting that free kick. I can't. Yeah. So was it 1 0? I can't even remember the score. Finished 1 0. We'd have a penalty in, the, I think it was the 20th. 19th, 20th, 21st minute or something like that. And then it was all about nip and tuck mm-hmm. and quite a tight game. And as, as, as Scott's absolutely correctly and you know really well articulated there, you saw Brophy stepping up. Rain was lashing down. Pretty dodgy call, if I remember correctly, for the free kick, right? A wee bit innocuous. And you thought, right, the stars are aligning again. It's mm-hmm. going to come off somebody's backside and it's going to roll into the bottom corner and we're going to drop two points here at this point in time, beginning November, coming into that November, December period, just, you know, we start to drop points already. And I think we'd, we'd beaten, obviously, Celtic in the October. Um, and I think that was around the Stanley age, Livingston, Livingston game, left Poznan and all that. And then we had that. And afterwards, it was, I think it might have been Benfica, actually. I may be wrong with that, right? But it was just a wee story that we'd seen before. Difficult venue against a team that we, on paper, should dominate. You can't even make the grass joke because down there it's I don't know what they're playing on, right? Um, I don't know, hubba bubba. It's been some mugger pitch. Uh, it's exactly, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think if you left it up, there's just red ash underneath it. Right? It's one of those ones. Um, but I, and it just encapsulated and crystallised in, in my mind that moment with the free kick, everything there, and you thought, oh, we've seen this before. Yep. Yeah. And I think the wall stood up and it cannoned off the wall. Mm-hmm. And then it cleared, and you thought, whoa. Didn't expect that. that. I think if the fans are feeling that, I think the players might have been feeling that as well, to some extent. And that's when you start to get on that, right, here we, here we go, we can uh, we can maybe just get the the small margins. And it's the small margins that make the big aggregates. Robbie, same question to you. Uh, so mine's is probably a relatively popular one, but I think the, I don't know if it was a, 2nd of January, but the new year, old firm I broke for me, was the after that final whistle went, I was like, we've won the league. I was just supremely confident after that, because I think we'd went double figures, points ahead. Uh, I, I think they may have still had a game or two in hand, the, the famous two games in hand, but I think the league didn't stretch much by that point. And I think the manner in which we won it as well, because in that Leading into the game, I think the sort of unanimous feeling was, even if we draw, we're kind of pleased with that. Like we're still left in a good position. Yeah. We've obviously done well in a couple of previous old firms, but the way they started that game, I think if everyone was being honest in the first half, you're like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. They've been a better side. We've been poor. 
Uh, and obviously we've had a couple of poor performances and a particular poor result against St Mum kind of leading into that game, we're about that month. And obviously we've got this sort of previous history of it's not doing so well post-New Year. So then, in fact, in the first half they've came out, kind of all guns blazing, the better side, we're looking very ropey. With a couple of injuries at that point, I think, see if they come, come to Ibrox, win. It could, at that point, I think they could win by a couple of goals here. If they left that day with you know, a 2 0 victory, with their tails up, and we're kind of getting that Dubai again, because it's not just the, the fact that they would have gained three points in us. I think all the sort of hysteria that, that surrounded that result and that performance, if the second half continued the same way as the first, I think it would have been a big, big challenge to, to recover from that, which looking back on it now sounds ridiculous because how far ahead we now are, and you think, well, it was only the difference of six points, because obviously they'd have gained three, we'd have uh, lost three. But I think that it would it, it would have been potentially damaging if it continued that way. So then obviously going to the second half are a wee bit more solid, they get a man sent off. We still don't play particularly great after it. And then even the way they concede an own goal from a set piece hits off somebody's back. We grind out the result. They get a man and, and there after that game, I think you just seen the confidence down out of them. Because they were actually they were going into that game a good bit of form, I think, as well. They were getting a lot of good results. They were playing a lot better. They'd obviously won a cup final previously, albeit on penalties. They still won a cup final, so you can see their tails were up from that as well. So I think as soon as that victory, as soon as that game was finished, I just think it done wonders for us, but it absolutely killed them as well. And obviously, I think the results for both sides went on to, to prove that to be the case because we just went one way and they went the other, basically. So... Pretty, pretty boring one for me because it's it's an obvious one. Tommy's a bit more left field, but I think from that moment, I felt it was in a bag. I think the thing for me is that, that <laughs> the one thing that I'll, when I look back at the old firm games from this season, um, that was the 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 game where they really, only, out of all the games this season, that was the game where they troubled us and they only troubled us for 30 minutes. And of that 30 minutes, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't do a whole lot to shout about um, our other games against Celtic this season have been have been largely quite comfortable. I'm, I'm I can I feel I can say that quite confidently. Um, it's easier now they're all at the road, of course it is. Um, but that game, Tommy, I don't know if you agree that that game at Celtic, well, they they did look better than us for a, a good portion of the game. But do you know what I mean? The 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 devil's in the detail, and we took the three points that day. And listen, absolutely, and you know. It's it's hard to argue with that particular choice of game, and don't for a second think it didn't appear in my mind as well. I just I just wanted to be a bit different, um, <laughs> you know, very <laughs> unlike me to be a contrarian. Obviously, just just for the sheer hell of it. But be sure honest, mate. Well, you know, <laughs> I um, can tell my Christopher Hitchens fan, but uh, late Christopher Hitchens. But um, but but the point of the matter is, I still do believe everything I've seen about that commandment game. It did stick in my mind, and it was a, I thought a turning point. But you're absolutely right in everything. I agree with everything you guys are saying in terms of that. Uh, I think I'm on record of saying the exact same things. To be honest with you, about that um, New Year Old Firm game, and I think Beaton got what, sent off 60th minute. Yeah, something like that. I was early, yeah. And if I recall correctly. And obviously, it's my man saying off, no one, but Rangers came out with, you know, obviously slightly more possession. I think Celtic only had like three or four chances on target. Aye. And that's no, what I was, I, I, exactly, I think I said last week that people mythologised that game a little bit. And I, I do it myself. 
and I'm not gonna that's not criticism either of you guys there, but Celtic played as well as they could. And to your point, they had a half an hour spell where they created some chances. Yeah. But there's two parts to that. One, we weren't used to seeing a team create a hell of a lot of chances against us. And so you immediately inflate it. And two, didn't take any of those chances. Yeah. And then, you know, got a man sent off. So when I say mythologize, people think, you know, particularly Celtic fans, I believe, that that was the moment that they should have won. Well, quite that type of game. Do I agree with you that for half an hour they were absolutely on top and were causing us problems that we weren't naturally answering? 100%, totally yeah. with you. But it wasn't exactly, wasn't exactly backs to the wall stuff and good teams don't concede. And this is a story of Celtic's season there against us, to be honest with you. They create chances. They've had moments where they've maybe been on top, even in those comfortable games you referenced but they have not been able to take their chances through a combination of top defending, top goalkeeping, really poor um, players on their part. I don't know a better way to say it than that. Um, you know, everything from um, McGregor's save against Griffiths to uh, Edward's miss uh, the other week there. Uh, you know, you could take a litany of all that type of stuff. Clear-cut chances, taking them, that's the story of, of winning games. So I, but, but I, sorry, just to bookend that, I do completely agree with you in terms of the, the morale sapping of that. Yeah. So for everything I was saying there about grinding out against Kilmarnock and coming up back up the road, I'd imagine the team bus for Rangers would have been bouncing in that. They've done us in the past. That was nothing talk, but we've come out on top, right? Celtic must have been getting back, trudging back onto that bus going, we've just chucked Pretty much. We've emptied our tanks, to use a Stephen Gerrard phrase. We've emptied the tank, and they're, they're sitting in there with the three points, dancing about, and they've not even had to score the goal. We've done, we've done that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And to make it worse, Alfredo Morelos turns the game with the, with the sending off, but, and that must have really sapped the morale. How a manager like Neil Lennon then would attempt to get that team back up would, uh, would have been a really... Um, would have been challenging for his man management uh, style, and maybe that's some of where the internal wheels came off as well for them. I think the good thing about it was is that they, they of course, celebrated that defeat with a trip to Dubai. Right. Well, you've got to do something to get Rangers off the back page. Absolutely right. <laughs> there you go. Listen, shall I give you mine? Yes. Yeah, of course. Please do. So my moment of the season this season um, goes back to December 2020. Um, and I felt that things were changing in our favour quite positively after the Motherwell game at Ibrox pre-Christmas. Um, we conceded our second, I think, league goal of the season that day. Uh, Lang or Lang, I think it was, it scored for Motherwell right at the start of the game. Um, and it was one of those sort of curved balls across from left to right, and the guy was at the, the back post and able to, to dink it in. And we really, I felt we were a bit stuffy for the remainder of the game. Um and with 20 minutes to go, we were still 1-0 down and we won the tie 3-1 thanks to uh, Roof scoring a double and Cedric Etten scoring mm -hmm. as well. That was the moment for me where I felt that things were changing in our favour and the tide was beginning to turn a little bit. I think the thing that um, I often go back to in that game when Stephen Gerrard's Rangers lost to Hamilton in March 2020, which feels like ages ago now, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, that was that game I 
reminds me of of that sort of period of time where we wouldn't have came back from one mm-hmm. 0 down to Motherwell at home because just things weren't going in our favour. However, with twenty minutes to go, we just we kind of upped a few gears and um and got the three points. Uh, and I think as well the, the crucial one for that game is the game before it was the St Mum Cup tie absolutely. as well. Absolutely. So obviously that and that was midweek. Yeah. Three days later, you're like, this is a big big game. Yeah. And two minutes in, you go a goal down, and you think. Like wow, that it's surely after the season we've had so far, yeah. we are not going to start to turn the corner and well, turn the rank corner basically. Right. And, yeah. and I think I think as well, Rob, it was a time when we were playing a lot of we were playing a lot of football at that point, and a lot of guys were doing a lot of good things. Roof at that point, for example, was wow. playing really well. He was playing mm-hmm. really really well. Um, pre-Christmas, so it was a time when we were playing a lot of football, and when, as you say, when we, we got to the the St Mirren tie, and everyone largely expected us to to brush St Mirren away. I don't care what anyone says, we did. I did. I thought we would have went there and won quite convincingly, and it, it just never happened. And I think the the Motherwell game that came after it was um, not an easy tie, certainly, but I think for us to go maybe 70 minutes, a goal down at home with zero fans to sort of try and drive you on for even an equaliser um, to come out sort of three one winners, I think Tommy was was quite a decent result. And it was certainly the moment of the season that turned things for me. Listen, really, really, really interesting and really good choice, actually. And uh I swear I know this off the top of my head, by the way, because it's stuck in my mind and I've got reasonably good memory for, for figures and stuff like that. Um I'm an absolute delight at parties, obviously. Right? <laughs> but um one, I, th- I think Eton came off the bench, scored a header pretty much yep. immediately. Sorry, yep. but I remember being. I, I think, yeah, I do remember that. Well, I remember the game, obviously, but I do remember the stats because I think Rangers had something like eighty odd percent possession. It was something ridiculous. It was, was, right. was going to say. It's funny how you've said it's the most memorable moment because it's the least memorable game of football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it actually annoyed me after it, right? Because. Everybody talks about it was one of the examples. And see, to be fair, it's a, it is a, it's a fair point where I think that I, I personally don't think teams are as good in Scotland this year, but I think it's a fair argument. There's probably better managers. However, Motherwell getting complimented after that game for making the game difficult is embarrassing, in my opinion. Because yeah, agreed. we went to Hamilton, sort of just off topic, we went to Hamilton like three or four months later. Uh, New Douglas through 1-1 with the score in the last minute they made it difficult for us by imposing their style on us they yeah. played I think three or, three or five at the back however you want to put it two wing backs were really high they pressed us up the pitch we put a lot of the game in our half we, we created little chances they created a few they actually caused us bother by trying to play football yeah well scored an early goal and literally played ten guys by five, five. They did as well as being sticking gloves on two of the centre-halves. It was that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and then it was like, after, like, oh, fair point of other. They made it difficult. Like, no, like, see if you had to watch that back, that's what I would expect a junior side to be like playing against a top-flight team. I thought it was embarrassing. And I know, and I was actually surprised because it surprised me with Stephen Robinson. I actually thought he, he had them playing a bit better football. But I just, just obviously off the top of you, but it's funny how you say it's your most memorable moment because what a bad game. But on that game, we question for you. Obviously, you mentioned fans. Do you think we would have came back and won the game 
if there were fans, or do you think that could have actually worked against us? An interesting, interesting question. That I don't really like. I don't really like saying it because I don't want to take it away from players as if they couldn't handle it. But I do think it is a, a fair question. Would that have actually helped us that night? There be no fans, Thomas, yes. Mr. McIntyre. Yeah, no, I think it's a really legitimate question. Actually, I think it might have been it might have been more difficult. I think players might very well have tightened up because there would be undoubtedly there would have been tension from the stands. Of course, not necessarily criticism, but definitely tension and a willingness to try and do things. And you know what it's like that forces you a wee bit. Um, So I, I mean, it's a it's a game of could you, would you, should you, but. Yeah, it might have played out differently. Then again, people rolling them on might have, might have made them score earlier or whatever. It's a bit of a zero-sum game. That was a really interesting question. What I would say, though, is if I remember correctly, um, just to your point about Stephen Robinson, I think they were in the mire points-wise. They just found out, I think, that they were probably going to lose the appeal or the, the game that they were awarded because of right. the team. Uh, yeah. put them in the relegation places. And essentially, that result did for his job. Yeah, because he was just desperate to get out of Ibrooks with three points, would have settled for the point. Yeah, and then it all just evaporated, and that pretty much did for his uh, his Motherwell career. Yeah, so I think the one the glaring thing, and this is hugely satisfying for me, I must be honest, is that um, each of our moments of the season are so early on in the season, so there's nothing that we're looking at that was maybe two or three weeks ago, and. I think it's fair to say that each of us believed that after the old firm game at the latest in January, we believed we were going to win the league. That's incredible for this season. I know. It feels like so long ago that we won the league. Oh, it's trophy day in like two weeks' time still. But what? Oh, well, obviously a week time. Uh, it's incredible. And again, I think it just... I don't think that given what the players have done in the league this season, I generally don't think they you can give them enough credit, in my opinion, for how they've handled themselves. They deserve every ounce of praise they get, either from our own set support, from within the club or media or anything. They deserve every back from from the way from me. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so we, we've all done our moments of the season, all, at, um, all in a similar sort of time scale, I think it's fair to say. As I say, it's hugely satisfying that it was such a long time ago because we've won the league that early on. Um second thing I want us all to discuss is our respective goals of the season. Lots of goals this season. Lots of really, really good goals. Watched some earlier on to just refresh my memory. Um, Barisic free kick um, at home in August against St. Johnston. Cracker. Um, there's a couple I don't want to mention because I think you'll probably take them up as, as we go on. So, uh, Robbie, I'll come to you first. Um, your goal of the season this season is? My goal of the season this season is James Tavernier versus Galatasaray. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. Was it August? I don't know. Should I check? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. And tell you what, you're totally right you're saying, by the way, the amount of good goals of scored. So I actually think uh, Michael Beale put a, a video on his Instagram or Twitter or something. It was yeah. a two-minute montage of the goals of scored. Loads of great goals. By the way, that, that could have been best goals of the decade. Some of the goals were unbelievable. If yep. Even that, the game I'm talking about, Arfield's goal was superb that night as well. I think yep. he has the ball, whips into Hadji's feet, Morelos dummies it through his legs, Hadji takes a touch through a ball to Arfield, he scores a first-line finish, but 
I, for me, I, I'm a big fan of team goals, and I think that one of the reasons I like that one so much is it was just it must have been so satisfying for the team and the management because that's clearly play that's been orchestrated and developed through two or three years and through the training ground and matches and stuff yeah. and it just came into fruition in that movement and we got a goal from it and the fact that it was full back to full back as well it's just incredible yeah yeah because it's also worthy of noting that that that's obviously been a common theme this year but it's crossing to Vernier and even the other way about but they've maybe done it against like St Johnson and stuff whereas on this occasion we were doing it against Galatasaray you know a top European side so yeah. the move if I remember I actually think it was a goal kick it's way to Goldson Tavernier's very deep plays it to Tavernier he plays it in the midfield there's a sort of short one too we switch to play over our side Kamara goes over to the other side again I think Ryan Kent beats the man gives it back to Kamara, out to Barisic. He steps over, gets out his feet, crosses it in the box, six yards out, James Tavernier's at the tap it in. What a goal. So for me, there'll be many, many good ones, but that's my personal goal this season. It was a fantastic goal. It really was. It was one of these games, that, one of these goals that you wish, wow, you would just have loved to have been in there and just follow that on the pitch all the way through. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. stuff. It's interesting because it's... it's it's not even the best goal in that game, but listen, everybody gets to choose what they want, I suppose. I got to ask that score was good that night as well. Well, I, I was thinking that Arfield's goal, actually. Arfield's goal was a cracker. You did say that, Rob. You did say that, my friend. You know what I mean? Which I would think is the best goal in that game, to be brutally honest. I think it was two goals in seven minutes, and it was 1st of October. Is that far, right? oh, goodness me. I'm absolutely, I'm willing to, I might be wrong with the actual date there of 1st, but it was early, early doors in October. Because it was a, see that was a one, it was just a one leg, straight shootout. Straight shootout, aye. Because I think, it wasn't too long after that that we had the Celtic game, we beat them 2-0. And I think, did uh, Tav miss a penalty? First half? I'm sure Tav missed a penalty that night. And I'm not talking absolute nonsense. I don't no, remember he, that. I think he, he, no, hang on, I think he did miss a penalty in Europe at Ibrox this season. I, I think, think he did. A penalty in the first half that night. I Should think he did. Just proves it, I never watched the highlights. <laughs> the stat, the, listen, the stat, was, the stat was all keepers right. Thomas, same question to you, your goal of the season. Still trying to remember if he missed a penalty. Um, <laughs> I don't think he did. Goal of the season... Callum McGregor, uh, but <laughs> I broke January. Callum McGregor. Do you know for, for all the for all the reasons that we could have here of technique, Ryan Jack probably, uh, well you know good team goal, Ryan Jack against I think St Johnston. Um, I might be wrong with St Johnston there, but I'm going to actually go for because it clamped to use an old phrase a couple of voices. Uh, I'm going to go for Alfredo Morelos's fifty fifth. Rangers goal. Oh, nice. I can't it. remember who it was against. <laughs> but I remember it being an absolute cracker. <laughs> is that the one at the back post? I think, I, I can't remember who it was Martin. But um, <laughs> he, he snuck in and quite frankly, he, yeah, I'm not entirely sure it was the greatest connection because if he'd have been a wee bit further out, he's putting over that bar to be really honest, right? And I think everybody walked past that. We all looked at it and went, Christ, what a bike, right? It's went in. 
that's fine. Never in uh, doubt. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but uh, yeah, for, for that, you know, to get uh, just just for the sheer the sheer fun of being able to say 55, 55th goal Absolutely. against against um, you know what used to be Scotland's champions. Yeah, uh, was a was a nice a nice moment. I'm not saying it's the the, the greatest technique in the world. It counts. They all count. They all the same, Scott. Um, so. I'll give you I'll give you some of the other goals that I could have picked from. So I, I spoke about the Barisic free kick um, against St Johnston. Um, similarly, you had, uh, James Tavernier's free kick at Tannadice. Yeah. Um, Ryan Kent scored a, a few crackers against Aberdeen, none more so than the first game of the season when when yeah. he's he's sort of went the length of the pitch and, and scored. Great team move as well. Um, not a million miles away for the goal that uh, Tav scored against against Galatasaray, I have to say. Jory Bo scored two great goals, one against Ross County when he's curled in um, at the, the Broom loan, and he scored an absolutely wonderful effort against Dundee United um, where, it, where he yeah. put one flush in at the top corner. However, my goal of the season goes back to, again, the other side of Christmas, um, October 2020. And it was when Livingston came to town and Jermaine Defoe scored a goal that I would suggest we will never see the like of at Ibrox ever again. James Tavernier plays a wonderful assist from his own, it's not from, quite from his own uh, half, he's just inside the, the Livingston half and Defoe makes a really clever move. Tavernier puts it literally on his toe, Defoe doesn't really do anything other than to you and I, we would go to trap it, I think, to be perfectly honest. And he just dinks it by. And I think, Tommy, we, we spoke about this indeed off camera. And um, the one thing that I think was quite obvious that day was the aghast of the people that were there at the ground. They, they couldn't believe that they had seen such a wonderful, wonderful goal. Technique that, as I say, we'll never see anything like that in Scottish football again, Tommy. What a goal it was. I Listen, you're absolutely, absolutely spot, spot on. And you're right to reference that as well. You hear it. Everybody going, oh, and then the clapping <laughs> starts because as he doesn't break stride, and no. the keeper's expecting him to trap it. He thinks he's going to get a, a half a yard to try and do something. The yep. defender's thinking, I'll try and make up the ground, and he just, and a lot goes on the ball, right? It's perfect, but it's also a perfect run. It's a perfect really pace that he's got, and he doesn't even break stride. There's no, just looks over once, keeps watching it, and then boom, in. His legs are working. It sounds a stupid phrase, right? Bear with me. But you know that way sometimes when people are playing football, you know, if we're not at elite level, right, which, sorry guys, none of us are, right, which you had to leave it. But sometimes your legs won't really work independently unless you're looking at the ball. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's that type of way. Whereas his legs are working completely independently in that he knows these strides perfect. He's opening up the foot. He knows exactly what he's going to do with the ball and how he's going to cushion it into that bottom corner. He does just rolls it, right? It's not travelling fast anymore. And so he can afford to just keep doing that and looking because all this down here will take care of itself because it's yep. trained to do that and it's top tier. So all he's concentrating on is know exactly where it's going, get the trajectory, right? I'll let the technique take over. Boom, and in the back of the net. And to your point, when you're talking about finishing technique like that, that is the skill set and that's why he's so different to God love Alfred and Rayless and all that but that's why he's so different to any other striker on Scotland So Robbie you're doing a lot of coaching just now right so I, I want to come to you on on one thing that is something that I 
I think there's a fair argument that you just can't coach a player to do that. I think if we were to um, maybe try that half a dozen other times with we, we maybe seasoned pros, they would snatch at that as it comes over. They absolutely would. They would need a couple of touches. They would maybe score in the end. They'd juggle the ball and then maybe score or um, someone would snatch at it. Defoe just seemed to know what he was going to do the minute it left Tav's boot. He knew exactly what he was doing and, and Tommy's absolutely right. He's kind of, his mind was doing the hard work almost. His legs weren't. Um, I, I wonder what you think, Robbie, if that's something that, how, I mean, how do you, do you try and coach that into a young mind, a young player? How do you do that? If I knew, I'd be a very rich man. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't be doing my day job if I knew. <laughs> I uh, see, that it was very therapeutic. It's one of the goals you can just watch and just smile like, that was so, so nice. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I totally agree that, see, when, when I think of like goal of season criteria, I think that like individuality. So either for me, individuality, team goal, or in this case, very unique in the sense that very few players could score that goal. So see when you talk about goal of season and somebody will mention like that. Uh, so, Definitely up there, but like Ryan Jack's unbelievable goal. But I think a lot of players could score that goal because yeah. 99 our times it's flying over the bar. I don't, I don't want to pick on Ryan Jack and such, no, no. but Ryan Jack has never scored the goal Defoe scored. Yeah. And as I say, that's no offence to Ryan Jack because as Tom rightly says, Morelos has probably never scored that goal with that technique yeah. and that just sort of seamless transaction between Absolutely. his football in the back of the net. It just made it look so easy and then did it's played football, whether it's game of fives, amateur, junior, professional, knows that that is no mean feat being able to score that goal the way he scored it. Absolutely. So I, I think it's a great, great shout and it certainly ticks the box for me in terms of individuality because I, I can't think of off the top of my head any other goal I've seen that, that was kind of like it. And then the sense that he's probably... He's probably the only player in the league who scores that goal. And am I right in saying he took out his left foot? Yep. He did. as well. I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's just outrageous. So he, he's, he's got the audacity to let it go across him. <laughs> it was a 40, 50 yard, 40, 50 yard diagonal ball. I'm on, the, I'm on the run and he actually slows down his run just a little bit as he hits the 80 yard box. And as you say, his mind's doing the computing part. Comes over and then just lets it drop and then it doesn't even really it doesn't bounce that's the thing as well it doesn't bounce and then he hits mm. it he's left it all happens lovely turn the phrase from you seamless transaction i really like that it's a seamless transaction and that um well you know me i'll call a spade a spade like <laughs> exactly it's, it's such an unusual occurrence that i feel i have to draw attention to <laughs> but it's absolutely right. It doesn't bounce anything like that. He hits it first time. So everybody's wrong footed. And that's when we're talking about the the, the defender, because he thinks he might just get a wee chance. Right? The keeper thinks, I'll set myself and then I'll see if he's going to go left or right and I've got a chance to close the gap. And that accounts for that gasp that everybody's got as well, because yeah. they're all thinking he's going to take a touch or it's going to bounce and then he's going to try and drill it by the keeper or whatever. But it, it all happens far too fast for everybody to get a grasp of it. And it's in the back of the net. And that's why everybody goes, oh. And it's what we'll be talking about as well, that you can just watch it and you just go, it's, it's those goals. 
to Robbie's point, which is really well made, the individuality and the technique. And somebody you just know is that's why they're an elite athlete. That's why they get paid. And that's why they are better than us guys in the park. When you yeah. see something like that, you know, this isn't a, not, not picking on them, but, um, well, I won't pick on anybody, right? It's not somebody sclaffing it into the back of the net or getting lucky with a, a header that bounced off them or something like that. That's why they do it. And we don't all do it because yeah. he takes everybody out of the equation. It's just him and the ball in the back of the net. So we should say, um, for, for all our sort of viewers, listeners, if, if you indeed have a, a moment of the season or a, a goal of the season that you have at this stage, feel free to tweet us at, at this is Ibrox. You can hashtag it with T-I-I-M-O-T-M for your moment of the season or T-I-I goal of the season. So get your get your entries into us and see if the guys are, or indeed myself, are, are close to what you guys are thinking. Last one is a big one. It's player of the year. Um, and a difficult sorry, one. Scott, I, my apologies, sorry to interrupt there. Right, I feel that because we will get comments if nobody mentions Ruth's goal again. <laughs> Ruth's, Ruth's goal in Belgium. This is the Kamal Ruth's goal is 100% goal. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt that somebody should actually say it. <laughs> it was a decent effort. I wanted to jump in and say, just so you know, Ruth's was goal received. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt, but it was a, it was a good effort. Somebody would have stuck it in the comments. I, I listened to the podcast, you morons. <laughs> Why did nobody mention Rose Gold? We are very well aware of it, to be honest with you. That was a good effort. I'll give you that. That was a good effort. I think he was trying to play it in the corner. He's trying try to waste time. Miss it. Scuffed it. Oh, he's missed it. Player of the season, Thomas. What? <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to change my mind about anything which is why I have this haircut and this accent. <laughs> so I will, um, <laughs> or this manner of speaking, I should say. Um, I am going to go stick with Conor Goldson. Why? I am. There's a litany of reasons, but I will stick to some of the cool ones, which are for... I, I, I'm never a big fan of people saying a goalkeeper sets the defence because I'm not entirely sure that's right. And I don't think keepers should ever be captains and all that type of stuff, right? Um, for those older people, that began with Tony Miola <laughs> in the uh, USA World Cup, right? No no goalkeeper should ever be a captain, right? Anyway. Tony uh, Miola? Tony Miola, that's one for, one for, one for the end. Um, Robbie, one for the Robbie do you remember right? Tony Miola? Yeah, I remember. Oh, my God. Absolutely not. Tony Miola was... Uh, I, I'm certainly it was just some guy they dragged off the street. The goalkeeper, um, and who was the who was the boy, the defender who had the Alexi Lelas? Alexi Lelas. That was it. He was the American Valderrama. Essentially, for haircuts. Um, went well, wildly off topic at this point in time, but that was actually a good. It was a really good World Cup. I enjoyed that. Who did, it was a good. Did Did they not play Brazil? Was it Dunga get sent off for a, an elbow to the face? It was a real elbow to the face, though. I mean, it made the guys popping off against a guy called Tab Ramos. Who thinks up these names, for goodness sake? That's brilliant. That is absolutely fantastic. Thomas, player of the season. Well, damn. Right, okay. Stay my best. I was trying to go off camera as well. So, I realised there was a wall here. Christ. Anyway, so, yeah, sticking with Conor Goldson, I think, given the way that teams set up and the way that we've handled our defensive shape this season and the change in personnel next to him sometimes. A lot's been placed on Conor Goldson in terms of the importance of being that fundamental rock 
within the within the defensive shape. Now that's not just all he does, right? But I think one of the, the benefits of not having fans in the stadium is we've, we've heard players talking. Connor Goldson is one and ever present. Two, he is the consistency of the back four model, right? Um, you know, James Tavernier and Bonavarisic have done fantastically well, as, as, as has Alan McGregor, taking the goalkeeper off the equation, right? Yeah. Taz been out injured and all that kind of stuff. Conor Bolton is the leader on the park, helps Gerard's own comments. Then you've got the fact to be able to work with a number of different permutations sitting next to him. And that includes on the right-hand side when Nathan Patterson came in. And it's been relatively seamless. And that should go down to, in large part, Conor Goldson as well. And then his ability to actually come out of defence and spray balls about. We just referenced, um, you know, Tav playing a great ball. Conor Goldson's done that several times this season as well, which is an upgrade on his passing ability. So he's taken on the mantle of stepping in to the midfield and helping to break the lines, which is really yeah. important for our style of play. And then you put on top of all that leadership stuff, all that football stuff, all that kind of good stuff. The fact that he's done things like pop up at Parkhead and score two goals in an old firm game. When you start to look at that and then you take a step back and you see that we have set defensive clean sheet records, I don't see how you can, and this is not going to go anybody else on that list, by the way, they're all top-notch players and they all have a place in an argument, right? Legitimate. But I don't see how you can see by Conor Goldson. So I don't think there's any doubt that, that Goldson's had a, had a really, really, really good season. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer with contracty type discussions etc um so a, a big summer i think ahead for conor goldson frankly um robbie same question to you your player of the season well i'm extremely disappointed to concede that i agree with thomas <laughs> <laughs> that's my moment of the season right there <laughs> i was hoping you'd ask me first so i could accuse my problem <laughs> I'm going to say somebody like Andy Burke or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, listen, for me, it, it, I would be happy with Andy getting it, but for me, Conor Goldson, the fact that we have conceded, is it, is it seven league goals? Seven, I believe it's seven league goals. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. So, is it as much as seven? United scored at Ibrox. Yep. Marlowe scored at Ibrox. Yep. Uh, b- 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 Hamilton away. Hibs uh, two away. Hibs two away. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's seven. I've got that in my head anyway. But any, single figures. Yeah. It, is, it certainly is, yeah. We have conceded goals this, se- this season. The fact that we conceded three goals at home and he's played every single minute in this league campaign, it's a, it's a feat that is, will only probably be appreciated in many years to come. People still talk about that Milan side under Capello. They conceded 18. <laughs> Gambles. Gambles. That's- there are shambles in the back compared to what we got. <laughs> I, I should say, sorry to interrupt there, but any opportunity to just say how good Maldini and Baresi, and particularly Baresi, yeah. by the way. Jesus. All my time, but I bet they were. <laughs> Ridiculous. Franco Baresi, 
ridiculous. Nothing on Goldson as a lander, but I think I'm good. Well, of course, of course. <laughs> but is he could I get a place on the bench, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Robbie, I cut oh, you off. No, 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 I like the, the back and forth, but aye, for me, I just think that but for him, he's been, I, I think that, as I said, I'd be happy with being empty, but, well, I think it's been overlooked that we have been so successful this season because of our, how, how we've been able to play as a, as a defensive unit. Like no, no other team, we talk about, we are surprised to see a team go unbeaten against us soon. Will it happen again in the next 20, 30, 40 years? Who knows? Yeah. I'll be surprised if I see a, a team in my life can concede that, that lot of goals in a, in a yeah. campaign. It's just incredible. And the fact that he's done it and played every single minute, again, is all, almost unheard of. And I actually think that with Angels, it's maybe a wee bit different because we defend less, but I'm going to make a potentially controversial statement. I think in modern day football, in big teams, centre half is the hardest position in the pitch. Oof. Liverpool. So we, we play the same sort of style as like a Liverpool, if you like. Yeah. See, playing the. Are you talking about like in terms of being caught out on the transition and stuff like uh, counter attack, right? Like ever set a half, I go to probably more than anything else, takes up so much responsibility and so much yeah. pressure for how he plays. We literally don't even like it's difficult to defend the halfway line. See if you watch us live, we're defending 40 yards for their goal. We're yeah. actually beyond the halfway line. So guys like Ken, Hadji, Morelos, Aribo will probably testify for that and say, we couldn't do half the stuff we do if it wasn't for that guy being so brave and having so much belief in his own ability and his pace and winning the game. Because I had, that, that enables us to do what we do. So I think that, and then I think it's very unfortunate that as a defender, sometimes then they'll concede one goal, they'll maybe be at fault for, and it's if oh, they get rid of him, he didn't defend like he made a mistake for a goal. Weirdly enough, for you, just taking that as a practical example, because I actually think you're you're right. I may not say it's the hardest, right, but I totally get where you're coming from. But you take a practical example apart here. Let's take the Hamilton game one each away, where they scored in the last minute. Right, mm-hmm. we've spoken about this before. So as you're saying, Rangers play fairly fairly similar to Liverpool, right? I don't think Liverpool's fullbacks go quite as far as ours, right? But you've got Barisic and you've got Tav slash Patterson, right? Whatever playing forward up, which means that. Connor Goldson and any other centre-back are relatively exposed, right? And we don't have yeah. the quickest, so they have to calculate that and they're thinking, right, Balogun is like, right, whatever. So generally, he has to then expect or ask somebody to drop in. And when they don't do the job, a la Stephen Davis, because it's Stephen Davis that doesn't track his runner against Hamilton, which allows the guy to get down the corner, right, before the ball gets whipped in, we end up getting caught out. So if you think about the amount of times that that has not happened this season, when Tav, etc., are so far up the pitch. We remember the small instances where it has, not all the massive myriad of times whereby somebody's shuffled across and done it. And quite often it's Goldson that shuffles across, left and right. You've seen it tons of times. And he's always the one who drops behind the corridor as well. So I'm with you in the fact that not only do we play quite high up, but his ability to then re-entrench and make sure that we don't get completely exposed when we're counter-attacked against has made us a totally different proposition to where we were even a year and a half ago. So I, 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 do, I do buy exactly where you're coming from, I guess. It. It, makes, it makes difficult situations look easy for me. And I almost think there's, I wish you could 
see situations where maybe our fullbacks have been really high, they've cleared it and he's nipped in front of a striker. I would yeah. love if you could make him no do that and then play forward to show you how important yeah. him being three yards higher is. Because how easy would it be for him to be like, fuck, see, after that Hamilton game, see next week, Cav, just stick close to me. Huh? Like, I, I don't want to be exposing it. It'd be so easy. But yeah. because he does that, because you know, he knows every time that happens, it's his name in the defence. They get the blame and oh, or Tavis or fullbacks are too high. Surely people now realise it's risk reward. Like, yeah. Surely people realise that us doing that amounts for far more goals and far more domination than not doing it. So I'm, I'm kind of going back to a style of playing stuff, but that doesn't happen. None of what we do is successful if he doesn't do what he does so well. So for that reason, I think for me, on top as well, what Tommy says, scored big goals as well, scored two in the first goal for which for me was probably the most important in terms of the entire season, scored the corner goals. Shall I? Yes, you shall. My play of the season. <laughs> the, I, I think the the, the argument for, for Connor Goldson is, is absolutely right. I, I agree with you guys. He's had a, a fantastic season and has been absolutely pivotal to, to everything we've done, as has McGregor, Tav. Um, for, for those of people who are listening and, and not watching, I'm looking over the horizon for the bus. There's something behind where, me. Where, where is it? Um, I sense a different player that's sneaking up behind you. That's what I sense. My, my player of the season is quite an easy one. It's Stephen Davis. Um, I think you're talking about a guy who has been really important for us this season. And I'll, I'll say that for a couple of reasons. I, I think the the... The failure of Ryan Jack to maintain any sort of consistency in match fitness has meant that Stephen Gerrard Hand has been forced with Stephen Davis playing, I would suggest, more games than what Gerrard maybe fancied him playing. Um, weekend Europe, weekend Europe. Uh, that's before you account for international trips when he's going away playing twice. He's breaking records for his country as the captain of his country. And then he's breaking them again. Uh, taking the, the the Pat Jennings record for Northern Ireland and then smashing that and then taking the Peter Shelton record and then coming back to us and playing in league duty and then playing European duty the Thursday after. Stephen Davis has had a, a remarkable season for Rangers this season. And I don't particularly want to be drawn into the debate about whether we think he's better this time around or last time around. Um but my own personal take is that Stephen Davis has has 100% been Rangers' most important and, and best player this season, Tommy. Again, listen, these are all great debates, and I think I've said before, and I'll say it happily until the, the cows come home and all that kind of good stuff, uh, until the trophy comes home. Um, not long now. But um, it's great to have this type of conversation. I remember a time really recently where we, the conversation about the squad at the end of the season was, who would you keep? Yeah. How can we get rid of these players in the shirt? Not the shirt. The players inside the shirt were so devalued that Player of the Year awards were a meaningless token. Yeah. You know. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now we're having a conversation, a healthy, good conversation across the entire support of going. How how do you even get this thing to a shortlist? Never mind pick a pick a winner. Right. Yeah. Obviously, the winner's going to Wilton, but. <laughs> how do you how do you pick a winner? And and the, the meat of that is they've all got legitimate stories to tell and arguments. You know, you've got a Alan McGregor, you've got a Stephen Davis, you've got 
um, a Ryan Kane, you've got a James Tavernier, you've got a Connor Golds. I mean, woof, the list goes on, right? And I don't think it can be overstated, particularly to your point, the ability for Stephen Davis to keep his fitness and continually produce dominating performances because he's been a linchpin of that range. And I think the Ryan Jack point's extremely well made because Ryan Jack has you know, completely fallen at the pitch due to his injury issues, right? And it's been a big, big thing uh, for us. And it's caused some problems. And other yeah. players like Ben Kamara, et cetera, have stepped up. And um, Bongani Zungu didn't work out. Obviously, I'm not having a go at the guy. Um, that'll come later. But you know, <laughs> and so a lot is rested. A lot is rested on Stephen Davis to unlock doors and be that formative playmaker. Right? Um, and he's done it consistently, not just the fitness, the lack of injuries at, at that age, which is probably a kind of double-edged stone. One, he's not picked up injuries, sounds great. Two, will be body lucky because trying to come back from injuries at that age becomes obviously massively difficult. Do I think he's played of the season? Well, obviously you don't because I've, I've said it's Conor Goldson, but I don't think it can be overstated how important he has been. Probably the one thing that I don't like about the conversation, actually, about Stephen Davis um, and this is not having a go at you or anybody else. No, no. That people, much like Alan McGregor, and I've done it myself, right? So Critical myself. We immediately lead with, oh, for his age, you know, it's like somebody saying, oh, you're quite good looking for your age, right? Type, type <laughs> of scenario. He's either performing well or he isn't. And when he first came under Gerard, he wasn't performing well. Yeah. And then he's been able to get back on side and actually hold down a place. That's actually more interesting to me than anything else because it tells you a lot about that guy's mentality. He's at the back end of his career, which has been relatively successful. You're right, well, really successful, actually. He's played the Premiership for a long time and all that kind of good stuff. And he had the wherewithal to come up here and take a lot of criticism. His career was over. His legs were gone. His mind wasn't as sharp. He could never really mix it again with the young guys. And what about some of these people like... Lewis Ferguson and Scott Brown, not they just all in a, a next to him and they'd, they'd hassle him to death because he's a player. <laughs> Gets a preseason under his belt, works really, really hard, dominating at home, dominating abroad, dominating his national shirt, about to pick up a league title. That tells you pretty much all you need to know about the professional that is Stephen Davis. Robbie, Stephen Davis's season? Super. Yeah, really, really good. You talk about the importance of him, probably two perfect examples of that. Didn't start the St. Mung game where we get beat and didn't start the Hamilton game where we drew. And we were actually go down and Gerard had to bring him on. Had to bring yeah. him and Ryan Jack on. And he, he probably left that game man in match and he only played 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think and almost almost rescued us against St Mirren in the Cup as well. Aye. Aye, good show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He came on that as well. So I know totally. It just shows how much Gerard values him and who better to be a centre midfielder than Steve Gerrard. Uh, now, I, as we said about I could make a case for Andy, and he's he's certainly one who's right right up there. And I think another point as well, how he's performed in the big games. games he's been superb, obviously scored in the Scottish Cup tie, top man of the match, I think, that game. And then the last one as well, could, I think you get man of the match the last one as well. You probably could, eh, sorry, Frank can't get man of the match, but you could argue that he was top three best players that game as well. So, now I certainly... I've said who I think it is, but I certainly agree that there's there's many a good argument to, to say Stephen Davis could be player of the year. Disappointed nobody is nominated. Erstwhile playmaker, Terry Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, he's long term, long term injured. To be honest with you, God rest his soul. Oh, I think he's long long term injured. Never to be seen again. Hi, um, <laughs> <laughs> George Weir's cousin. <laughs> so Twitterland, listen, we're keen for you to get involved. Uh, by all means, tweet us your moment of the season, goal of the season, and player of the season. We're keen to know what you think. Hashtag T I I M O T M for your moment of the season. Hashtag T I I G O T S for your goal of the season. We know about the roof one. And T I I P O T Y for your player of the season. By all means, file them into our social media accounts, and we will we'll gladly. Um, receive whatever you decide to send us which should be quite interesting Robbie thanks for joining us this week by the time we we speak next week we'll have seen Alfredo Morelos holding the league championship trophy how good does that sound superb and the rest very much look forward to it it's, uh, it's been a long time coming actually never mind the, the years previous no win it but a long time coming since we've back so I sealed it until we get to see the day so I think I'll, I'll enjoy a, a few cold ones watching that indeed Tommy it'll be good to see Guys like James Tavernier, Morelos, as we speak about, but um, I'll personally look forward to seeing Stephen Gerrard with his hands on that trophy on Sunday afternoon. Saturday afternoon, sorry. Lots of satisfying images to come. I'm with Robbie. I'll have a couple of cold cold drinks um, that come with a percentage on the label. But <laughs> aye, and to everybody listening, everybody watching, everybody supporting, we've been through a really, really tough journey. And it's always difficult when you are the top dog and you find that you are not for a while. But great clubs and great institutions and great supports are built on adversity. And coming back from that, that's where the stories lie. Rangers 55. This week we'll get together as well to discuss the, the women. We do the women's podcast again this coming Thursday. Myself, Graham Courtney, will be joined by Kirsten Riley. So we look forward to being joined by her this coming Thursday night which will go out at some point on Friday. Looking forward to that very much indeed. All our content is, of course, free of charge. It's across at www.thisisibrox.co.uk. I urge you to jump on, have a look. Um, you'll be able to see us on YouTube. You'll be able to hear us on Spotify, Acast, Podbean, all the usual ones. You'll catch us there. Rangers play Livingston on Wednesday. And, of course, we lift that trophy at last on Saturday afternoon. We're really excited about it. We can't wait. And we will do it all again. We'll speak to you next weekend or next week at some point. Um, and we look forward to it. Good luck to Rangers on Wednesday and next weekend. Have a good week. Bye-bye. This is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast. Brought to you by Triple H Mortgages. The one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them on 01453-887179 or via email hello at hhhmortgages.com. Fire's raging, I'm shaking. You want to go out, I want to stay in. Wow.